0: Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. This past week, Callie and I came back from quarantine, which you all know the thing with the vid is uh, <laughs> your, your energy levels are the last thing to come back. And so, you know, Tuesday, actually the Tuesday before, <laughs> The brain fog thing is real, and so I was calling Chris O, uh, and was really very confusing. Uh, I didn't know what I was talking about. He didn't know what I was talking about, and then I was getting upset because I couldn't communicate what I wanted to communicate, and I called him back like an hour later, and I said, hey, I'm not going to call you anymore this week. You're in charge. Here's the keys. Uh, I took myself out of the game, but Tuesday, I got back, and so had a full day, meetings and planning, exercise, clearly. Uh, <laughs> I wish that were true. Uh, exercise, and then went and hung out with a couple, actually the guy who who <laughs> gave me COVID. Uh, we, we hung out again, nice reunion, and uh, stayed out late, you know, for two parents with a toddler, got home at about 11.30, and was ready to crash. Can I get amen? And uh, getting ready, and I was like, hey, I gotta get something out of the car, and I was walking towards the kitchen, and I saw, <laughs> thank you. And I was like, there's a stinking bird in the house. And so I did what any uh, human being does. I got a broom, right? Actually, I got a big duster. And uh, the thing about bats is when you come at them, they come back at you. Okay. So like I came at it with the duster and it swarmed me. It's like, and I'm just, oh, my skin's still crawling, thinking about it. And it gets into our house, and we have vaulted ceilings in our house, which are great unless you have a bat in the house. And so I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? Like, it's midnight, and I have two choices. I can catch the bat, or I can live with a bat in my house, which is absolutely unacceptable. And so it took me an hour to catch the bat. Uh, I had to research bat tendencies and habits. You have to know your enemy. And uh, here's what I found. When a bat lands on the ground, it has a hard time taking off. And so I was like, Callie, go get me a sheet. And we're, I mean, I I was not tough through this. I I wish there was video to show you how not tough I was. And so she got me a sheet and it landed on the ground. I was like, yes. So I threw the sheet on top of it. And I'm like, now what do I do, (laughs) right? Because I am not going to pick that sheet up unless I know exactly where that bat is at. And so I put a laundry basket on top of it. And then I went back to the room. And I put on full pants, these pants, actually. I put shoes on. I put a jacket on. I put a hood over my head. I zipped it up to my neck. And I laid plastic sheeting over it. Oh, yeah, I put on gloves. (laughs) And I waited for that bat to crawl out from underneath the blanket, the sheet, so that I could see it under the plastic sheeting. And this is where we find ourselves. Right here. Babe, what's in your bag? There's a bat in here. I caught the bat. This is the Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> Good Batman. job. Good job, Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> you see the glove? Oh, I still, still am upset about it. Uh, it took me like another hour to calm down. We didn't get asleep until like 1.30 or 2 o'clock. And so Dwayne and Fitz, I met with you guys the next morning, and then I took a nap. Not even going to lie to you guys. Went home, took a nap. Uh, you know, here's the, here's the, here's the truth about the bat situation. If I had left the bat in the house, I never would have had another moment's peace, right? Like if I would have tried to keep living with that bat in the house, I would have always been thinking, where's that bat? You know, is that bat going to defecate on me or swarm me? Or I always would have been thinking about the bat. And the truth is about walking with God is that God, over time, is going to reveal things to you in your life that you have to make a choice about. Once you're aware of those things, you have to make a choice. Am I going to get that thing out of my life, or am I going to try to live with it? And if you've been walking with Jesus long enough, you've made that second choice before, which is like, I'm just going to live with that. i got a bat in my house, you know? like I'm, I'm au naturel, baby. <laughs> Sharing with the beasts and the predators of the world. But what you find is as you leave that thing in your life, it ends up robbing you of peace. You know, Jesus taught in parables all the time. 11 out of 39 parables were around the topic of finances. (laughs) You know, it's interesting, if you go back and, and you look at historians on the early church, one of the early church historians in the first century said this was very interesting about Christians. He said that they would share their finances and their possessions but they wouldn't share their beds. Isn't that interesting? But in the world we live in, it's much more acceptable to share your beds than to let people in on our finances. You know, I heard one pastor talking about it, and he said, he said when I meet with couples, I found this to be true. He said, when it comes to the sex life, we're pretty much willing to talk about things. And he said he had one couple, literally, they were giving him so many details. He's like, I can't believe you're talking to me about this. And he noticed a little tension around finances, and he said, hey, let's talk about finances. And they said, I'm going to stop you right there. If we get into finances, we're walking out of here, counseling's over. And I'll be honest, this is something I've taught about twice in the three years that I've passed for this church. Why? Well, I think for me, I'll tell you why it is for me. It's not necessarily fear around talking about it. It's fear that people would think God is just after their money. It's fear that people would think God is just after their money or the church is just after their money. But it's interesting, you look at the scripture, Jesus said, where your possessions are, where your money is, there your what? There your heart is also. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're we're gonna take a little bit of time and we're just gonna walk through this passage. And I I wanna point out three things. I want to point out three things. Starting in verse 13, there's a request, there's a refusal and there's a rebuke. There's a request, there's a refusal, and there's a rebuke. Go with me to Luke 12. If we could put that back up on the screens, you can put the whole section of scripture up there. Luke 12, starting in verse 13. Here's what he says. It says, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. That's the request. Okay. So something, I want to set up some context for us here. So in in Luke chapter 12, in the first part of chapter 12, it's talking about persecution. It's talking about life-threatening persecution, people who would take your life for your faith. Now in part two, starting in verse 13, it talks about life-threatening possessions. Part one's life-threatening persecution, part two is life-threatening possessions. Y'all, can I I share my life, my heart with y'all a little bit? I feel like something we've maybe missed, maybe, as the Western church, is that our possessions, our spending habits, not only have an effect on our lives, but have an effect on the world around us. Not only have an effect on our lives, but have an effect on the world around us. So I'm in this process where I feel like God's asking me, are you being intentional with your possessions. I'm going to come back to that more in a minute. So number one, there's, there's a request. Has anybody ever gone to God and said, God, if you do this thing for me, then, right? God, if you just make this person fall in love with me, override their free will, then I'll follow you. God, if you just help me get through this financial situation, then I'll follow you. So why the request? okay. If you you dig into historical context, this is most likely a younger brother. Why? Because in this world, the older brother inherited all the possessions, inherited all the land. And what's he saying? He's saying, Jesus, I've been listening to your teachings, and you say that we should be generous and that we should share. So could you tell my brother to be generous and to split the inheritance with me? He is expecting Jesus to tell his brother to split the possessions evenly. But what does Jesus say? Look at verse 14. Jesus replied, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Now, think about this. Jesus has spent so much of the scripture saying, I am the judge. In the end, I'm going to judge the living and the dead. In the end, I'm going to judge not just your actions, but the heart behind the actions, But here he says, who made me, it's like he's playing dumb. Who made me judge in your life? He's refusing to make a judgment. Why? This is me conjecturing. I think Jesus was trying to get at the heart behind what was underneath the question. You know, Callie and I were talking about this last night. We were sitting in our kitchen. When it comes to finances, what's at the root of fear around finances is that we find our security in our finances. But Jesus is saying, and the gospel says, that we can find our full security in who God is. We can find our full security in the relationship that we get with Jesus, that we get connected to our Father. And so Jesus is saying, I'm not going to give you status. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to give you land. And then look at what he says. There's, there's the request, the refusal. And look at this rebuke. He says, beware. Beware. Everybody say, beware. Guard against every type of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. If you go in and you look at the Greek, it's literally saying you will not find life in possessions. I wonder if anybody in here, if we're honest, has ever tried to buy happiness Anybody in here try to buy happiness? Like you're in a place where you're depressed, and so you do a little retail therapy. Or you're, you're in a place where actually you're doing pretty well in your life, and so you just start spending. Have you found that you're not more fulfilled? You're actually less fulfilled when you do those things? You know, it's interesting. If you, if you look at Jesus' teaching on finances, he says, he says things like this. Like life is not found within our possessions. He says things like, where you put your money, that's where you end up finding out where your heart is. Jesus is continually outlining for us that there's an intrinsic link between our finances and where our heart is. And so what Jesus is doing is he's saying, hey, I'm not going to give you the security you're after, but I'm going to teach you something much greater. So let's, let's jump into this parable. Luke 12, 16 through 20. Then he told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm and produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Great problem to have. Then he said, I know I'll tear down the barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all of my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take, eat, drink, drink. And be merry. Yo, this is the American dream, right? He, he's got his retirement set. So is Jesus saying, don't save for retirement? Is Jesus saying, don't, you know, just give away everything you've got? Don't, don't think about these things? I don't think that's exactly the heart of this parable. Look at this. But God said to him, You fool. There are not many times, I haven't studied this out, but there's not many times in the scripture God literally says, You fool, okay? He says, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Okay, let me put you guys at ease real quick. This is not a tithing message, <laughs> okay? I'm not going to do a big love offering at the end of this, so you guys can just relax, okay? Uh, I'm not going to pass out any cards, you know, maybe, we might do that later in the year, May do a building campaign or something, but this is not what this is about. And actually, let me say this. If you are not a Jesus follower, let me set you at ease. Jesus is not after your money. Jesus is not after your finances. In fact, Jesus wants your heart first. The reason we haven't taught about this a lot as a church is because I don't want you all to come in here and start thinking, man, God just wants my money. Because then you might start thinking, if I give money, then God will be pleased with me. But that's not where God finds pleasure. God finds pleasure in relationships with the people that he created. And so I want to set you at ease. This is not about I'm trying to get you guys to give more. I'm trying to get you to tithe or we're going to do a big, you know, building campaign. Generosity will unlock your life. Generosity will help you find freedom in your life. And what Jesus is outlining in this is if you try to find yourself in possessions, you will actually lose your life. But if you find yourself in God, if you find yourself in who he says that you are, you will have a rich, full life. Because yes, as a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And so Jesus followers, this is, this is really what I want to get to. The way that we live has an impact on the world around us. Jesus wants us to grow rich in the things that matter most. So what was the sin of the man in the parable? His approach to his possessions, his approach to his wealth, he had no consideration for the impact it had on the people around him. This is actually a parable about loving people. How is this a parable about loving people? This is about this guy building big grain store houses. Actually, this seems wise, right? Can we be honest? I've got too much grain. I don't want to flood the market with it. Because what happens when you flood the market with a product? The price goes down. What happens when you withhold a product from the market and you wait for there to be less of that thing? Price goes up. (laughs) This is brilliant economically for him. But, y'all, he is increasing his assets. He's increasing his wealth. And he's increasing the suffering of the people around him. Yo, Jesus most likely was speaking to a peasant class at this moment. There may have been some wealthy people in there. But what these people are hearing is this guy is withholding wealth from the market. He's withholding grain from the market, making their food more expensive. These are people who are hand-to-mouth, people who can barely afford to live. They are listening to this, and they, they recognize the monstrosity of what's happening. And Jesus is saying the way that you handle your wealth has a direct impact on the people around us. Y'all, we are wealthy. Do I need to get into that? (laughs) Globally, right? Globally, we are incredibly wealthy. And my encouragement for you, the, the conviction in my life right now is am I living in such a way, am I living with such margin that I can use my wealth to decrease the suffering of people around me? Because God cares about people. God came for people. And if we're gonna be the people of God, I believe that we've gotta approach our finances in a way that leaves margin to love and to decrease the suffering of the people around us. And so my question for you this morning, is there any margin in your life where you could begin to direct your finances to decrease the suffering of others? Now, y'all listen, here's what I know. Let me tell you a story. How am I doing on time? I'm good. A couple years ago, uh, I was in sales and I was taking a ride with one of my managers and he he attended one of our campuses. At this point, I wasn't a pastor. I was just an attender. And uh, he said, you know what I hate about New Life Church? (laughs) It's always a great place to start, right? Tell me, what do you hate? (laughs) He said, you guys talk about money too much. And honestly, for me, like growing up in church, I'm like, our church doesn't talk about money that much, right? (laughs) Like we take up an offering every weekend, but we don't double pass the buckets, Right? (laughs) Uh, you know, we don't, we don't do any of that stuff. And he started opening up to me. And he said, I can't, I can barely afford to make ends meet. I can't afford to tithe. Why are they beating me up about this all the time? Now listen, I was in the business with him. We talked about how much money we made. He made $150,000 a year. And he was so strapped with debt that he could barely afford to live. Yo, he, here's one of the things that I believe is, is killing us spiritually in our lives. There, there's a quote, it's attributed to like 10 people, Mother Teresa, Mahatma Gandhi, the Catholic Worker Movement. Not sure who said it, so let's just make this Bronson's quote, okay? Uh, we, we've got to live simply so other people can simply live. We've got to live simply so other people can simply live. Yo, this is difficult. All right. Like, this is difficult for me. This is something I'm looking at my life. I remember the first time I read that quote, it was 12 years ago, and I just broke and, and wept. Think about that. If we live simply, we may make ways for other people to simply live. And back then there, there was another quote: this was the Catholic worker movement, which is the social justice movement. It said, if you have two coats, you stole one from your brother. Ouch! <laughs> right? If you have two quotes, you stole one from your brother. Now listen, the world has changed. Fast fashion has changed things. Clothing, actually, if you go and look at the statistics, we spend 500% less on clothing now than what we used to spend. Okay, but (laughs) who in here has more clothes than you could possibly know what to do with, right? Who in here has taken clothes, dropped them off at the Goodwill, yo okay i i 've been researching all this stuff this past week, and it 's like melting my mind okay in uh, one african country it 's off the coast of South Africa, they have a mountain it 's just a clothes mountain. <laughs> Because they, they used to have the world's largest secondhand clothing market, but there's so much cheap clothing flood in, flooding in that is absolutely unsellable that it's created this enormous garbage mountain that is now on fire, and it's producing so much methane gas that it's toxic to the cities around it. You know, our, our problem now is not necessarily that we're not being generous with our clothing. The problem now is that we're not thinking critically about the things that we buy. The problem now is that we've bought into propaganda that if I just get more, I will be more happy. But Jesus says we've got to beware. We've got to beware. Everybody say beware. Beware possessions in case we might start thinking we find life in those things. And so this is the journey I'm on. So this past week, there's a couple guys in here who got to be the beneficiaries of this. And I'm not telling you this out of some, like, look at the things I'm doing, you know? But I I just, I feel like I have to share some of my life, right? And so for me, I went, and I've been reading this stuff, and so I looked at my closet, and I said, I don't need three white dress shirts. (laughs) You know, that's a bit excessive. And so I found some guys who might need a white dress shirt or a blazer or something I haven't worn in over a year, and and I'm trying to declutter my life. So what does that have to do (laughs) with shopping less. Y'all, I believe we've got to simplify life. We've got to simplify life. and There's a phrase out there, a term called minimalism. Who's heard about this? Marie Kondo, does it spark joy, right? How ludicrous that we have so much stuff, we have to figure out how to organize it perfectly so that it fits in our castles, right? But, The way that we spend, the way that we live, has an impact on the world around us. I think we've got to start thinking critically about the things that we have and the things that we buy because what I'm learning as I'm doing research is that my spending habits have a direct impact. Okay, let's talk about cheap clothing, right? Who's making it so cheap? People who aren't making a livable wage, people who are in dangerous places making these clothing. I'm just saying, Christians, like, I think we're asleep. Okay, let me back up. I have been asleep. I've been asleep to problems in the world. I've been asleep to my place in the world. And this year, I'm just trying to sort out and ask the question, man, is how I'm living positively impacting the world around me? And am I looking seriously at the teachings of Jesus and saying, man, I want to orient my life around this because what I'm finding, the more I read about Jesus and the more I research the things that are happening in the world, I think he knew what he was talking about. Like I, I, I think he, he was onto something. What's interesting is if you read the teachings of Jesus, he's not always saying, hey, go and do this. He's telling us the truth about the way that the world is woven together. Y'all, our entire economy is built upon us shopping and buying and lusting for things that we don't need. Just think about that. It it had not occurred to me in twelve years. This is my confession. Okay, this is my confession. Okay, <laughs> this is my confession. <laughs> I had to. Uh, this this is my confession. I've not been thinking critically about these things. You know, I I feel like we've been living within our means. But, y'all, isn't there more to life than just living within our means? Couldn't we make more of an impact if we lived intentionally with the things that we have? Y'all, listen, some of you guys are in here, and you're like, I'm so crushed by debt. I can't listen to the things that you're saying. Y'all, listen, if if that's you, if that's where you're at, first got to work on financial peace. Listen, you can have freedom in your finances. tell you another story (laughs) for me. Uh, when we first got married, we, our combined income was under $30,000 combined. Some of you guys are like, that's a lot of money. You're in college. I get it. Uh, <laughs> but for two adults <laughs> working full time, and not a lot of money? And at that time, we were able to save $12,000 okay, over two years. Then I went and I got into sales, and our income over-quadrupled, and I saved less money. I gave less. Why? Here's what I've realized. Here's the repentance for me. As I realized I was not thinking critically, I was not thinking intentionally, I was buying into the way that the world says that I should live. You know, it says in Romans chapter 12 in the message paraphrase, it says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And so we're in this series called Walking with God, y'all. What if we sought to understand God's view of finances? Because listen, if we're intentional with our finances, I believe we as a community right here in Little Rock may well be able to decrease the suffering of the people around us. You know, there's a scripture, a really popular scripture. It says that Jesus is talking about the poor and he says, you'll always have the poor among you. So are you all familiar with that passage? He's actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter five. And in that God is instructing the Israelites to share with those who have needs within their community. And so when Jesus says there will always be poor among you, it's to their shame, right? And and so here's my point. Here's the thing I want you to think about. What areas in your life can you simplify? Can you minimize so that you can be more generous? Um, So, number one, I got three points, and then I'm going to be done, and we're going to praise God, and we're going to seek God's heart on these things. Amen. Number one, let's choose minimalism over materialism. Read it again. Beware, guard against every type of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Um, I've I've shared a lot of stories, but I'll, I'll share one more. Does anybody have the collector gene? You like to collect things? Like ever since you were a little kid, like you couldn't help it? Okay, Batman action figures, uh, Pokemon cards, yo-yos, soccer cleats, guitars, watches. That's a weird one, right? Uh, I've had all these things throughout my life that I've collected. But here's what I've found, that when I give in to that impulse and I just start collecting those things, it's never enough. I tell myself, once I get to this point in my collection, I'm going to be really at peace. I'm going to look at my things and I'm going to have peace. It's never enough. But look at Proverbs 2720. Okay, look at this. It says, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Y'all, God understands the way that we work. We will never find deep soul satisfaction. We will never find life by amassing more possessions. But what I've found is that when I get to be generous. It fulfills me. Like, I'm more at peace than when I bought whatever I wanted for my life. What? That doesn't make any sense. But Jesus says that's the way it is. He says those who refresh others, will they themselves be refreshed? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Y'all, maybe he knows what he's talking about. And so how can you minimize in your life? Okay. Buy things for usefulness, not for status. Ask yourself, why am I buying this? Am I buying this because it's going to make me look good to other people or because it's something utility that I need in my life? Consider your vehicles. Does it get you from point A to point B? Consider your clothes. Be careful. Just be careful. I'm not telling you not to buy clothes. I'm telling you to be careful. Think about it. Consider where you live. Is it livable, not status? Do the things you buy last, right? Okay, something that hit me uh, about five years ago is I realized I was going to an unnamed store that's a letter and then an ampersand and then another letter, right? (laughs) And I realized I was having to buy clothes like every two months. Why? Because they broke down. And I realized, man, if I wait and I buy something quality, A lot of times it's more ethically made, it lasts a little bit longer, and it has a better impact on the environment, right? The things we buy, the things we do, it impacts the world that we live in. Do the things you buy last? Do you think critically about the things that you buy? Okay, let's talk about credit cards. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it's 0%. Okay, do you have the cash to back it up? Or are we going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt? I already know the answer. Yo, we know the answer, right? Hey, I've made mistakes in this. Some of you guys, you need to cut up your credit cards. You quit shopping. Why? It's robbing you of life. It's the bat that's in your house. And you're just saying, ah, ah. it's not, it's a bat. It's not the next thing you know, that bat's got a family. And you have no peace. Are you not at peace in your life? Maybe, 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 maybe it's spending. Maybe Jesus knew what he was talking about. I just want to encourage you. Think, think about it. Think about it. I've been here, y'all. But I found that giving money away blesses my life. I don't know why it works like this. God knows, though. He designed this thing. Impulsively buying things does not bring me Peace. Number two, don't impulsively buy things. (laughs) Uh, Internet shopping, 2020. I shopped on the internet too much, you know? (laughs) Like we were stuck at home, we didn't have things to do. Oh, I need this, I need this, I need this. The next thing you know, your Amazon credit card is too full, right? Right? I had a buddy of mine who, I, I don't have that, that one, but I do, I like, I like credit card rewards. I'm not going to lie to you guys, okay? So I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't use them, but you got to be careful. I had a buddy, he was like, dude, I don't know how I did it. I have $3,000 on my Amazon card. Just wasn't paying attention, right? Now, he had the money to pay it down, but he was like, I way overspent. Okay, so here's what I'm doing now. For me, I'm trying to wait about a month. I know that's extreme. If I see something that I want that's not like food or gasoline, I need to get gas, but I'm not going to impulsively pay for gas. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. But clothing items, things like that. I'm trying to give myself a month. Okay, I'm going to encourage you, 24 hours. I'm going to give you a 24-hour challenge. Next time you get an email that says there's a sale, fire sale, that's my, that has been my problem. I love bargains, all right? Anybody here? Come on, let's show of hands. Where are my people? Where are my bargain people at? I have bought like one thing full price in the past 10 years, okay? <laughs> I love bargains. But I'm like, God, oh, it's so cheap right now. Do I need it? It's so cheap right now, <laughs> right? Don't impulsively buy. Okay. Uh, number two, this, you, you guys don't have this one because I wrote it during worship. Uh, get in the habit of giving things away. Okay, go look in go look in your closet. Go look at things in your life and ask, man, what could I give away? What could I bless somebody else with? What have I not worn in a year? But it's like maybe I like the idea of it. <laughs> okay, that's me. What can I give away that's going to bless somebody's life? Number four, have a budget for shopping and a budget for generosity a budget for shopping, and a budget for generosity. This is not a tithing message, but I've got to clarify just so you can understand my stance when I look at the scripture. Uh, Jesus affirmed the tithe. We could talk about this. He was talking to the Pharisees. He says, yes, you should give the tithe, but more than that, uh, you should give your whole life to God. It, it, what, what he was actually rebuking them on is they were tithing, they were doing the religious things, but God didn't have their heart, and that's not what God's after, right? We, sh- we should tithe, but when I think about generosity, I'm thinking about above the tithe. In my life, 10%, that's God's. Anything above that, that's my opportunity to bless somebody else, okay? Um, and so, generosity, this is something Callie and I were texting about this yesterday. We have a set amount in our budget every month, and it's our generosity budget, Okay? That's a fun thing that you and your family can look and say, okay, guys, we got $5 this month, okay? We're on a budget. But you can buy somebody's coffee or whatever it is for your family. I want to encourage you guys. Put a generosity budget in your life. Uh, I had a buddy a few years ago. He said that every time I give, it's like I'm saying, this doesn't own me. This doesn't own me. This doesn't own me. There's a psalm. It says, as you store up wealth, be careful that it doesn't start to control you. It's a way that we can keep that from happening. 1 Corinthians 6.12, it says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Even though you say, I'm allowed to do anything, we must not become a slave to anything. Simplicity and minimalisms put possessions in their place. Okay. Another place where I'm simplifying. I've gone a little over on time, but I've got the microphone, so here we are. Uh, Cell phone. For me, this is a place where I've tried to simplify. Why? Because when I'm out of control in my consumption on my phone, I'm being mastered by it. And what happens? I end up shopping a little bit more, right? I end up not thinking as critically. I'm like, oh, me and Chris were talking. Like, you're on eBay, and you're like, that's a deal, (laughs) right? It's a deal. I like to shop on eBay. But for me, this weekend, I deleted Safari off my phone. <laughs> what? Why? Because I'm a research addict, okay? I can't quit reading w- Wikipedia. And then what happens? You get in that cycle. Callie's laughing because she knows it's true. I missed three episodes of a show this this two nights ago. Yeah, I was on Wikipedia. Just reading about stuff. Um, yeah, like a nerd. Uh but, yo, know, we've got to simplify. We've got to take back control of our lives. That's the process that I'm on. And I'm inviting you guys to go on this journey with me. So I want us to simplify in the area of our finances. But I think, again, I know I beat this horse to, horse to death three weeks ago. You can go back and listen to it if you want on the podcast. But I've found that my spending habits and those things are intrinsically tied to this. Why? Because advertisers know how you think because they collect all of your data and they sell it. Okay the companies who create these things are collecting our data they're collecting our habits listen to me this is not some conspiracy theory this is a fact they're collecting our information and then they are targeting us with ads because listen your attention is the product your attention is the thing that these businesses are after and you I, I don't know, I don't know about y'all but I'm starting to feel a little bit like a mouse in an experiment <laughs> okay and for me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take back control of my life in some of these areas. Will you all join me in this journey? I'm going to keep talking about it uh, in, in weeks to come. So don't impulse buy. Get in the habit of giving things away. Have a budget for shopping and generosity, and trust God with the rest. Trust God with the rest. I'm, I'm going to read the scripture and I'm going to read a quote, and then we go finish. Here's what it says. This is following the parable says, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life, life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for God feeds them and you're more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life. I wonder if any of you guys, you've just been consumed with worry over your finances. Maybe you're looking at retirement, you're like, I can't afford it. I'm not gonna be able to get where I'm at. you will trust God, listen to me. There's a battle in your life for where are you gonna find your security and Jesus understood that. Are you gonna find your security in your finances? Or are you gonna find your security in who God is? Because y'all listen, there's the gospel that we can find security in our relationship with Jesus, and our connection to God. Then there's the gospel of America that says you can find security if you have enough stuff. And these two things are absolutely at odds with each other. And I hate talking about it. (laughs) But I think we're stuck in it. I think it's something that we get to battle out of. And so I want to invite you as a community to ask some of these questions. Could you approach your possessions differently? Could they be robbing life from you? Could it be cluttering your soul? Is there an area where God's asking you to trust Him more? This could be through generosity. This could just be, hey, you're in financial trouble. Y'all listen to me. I understand that. But God's still good. You can still trust Him. You can put faith in Him. You can put hope in Him. Maybe God's asking you to be more generous. You know that you've got some margin in your life. Man, I will encourage you create a budget for generosity, join God in blessing people. So much fun. Can you trust him in your lack? Now I want to read a quote to you guys from an investor. Listen to this. I, I I think this is one of the most beautiful visions of finances that I've ever heard. Here's what it says: this is his vision statement for his business. He says, I'm a visionary. I'm one who envisions a world where fortuitous people are making life more joyful for those who are randomly less fortunate. I see communities encouraging work and service, not because it's productive or right, but because it gives meaning to the human experiences. I see businesses realizing that making profits and helping their fellow man are not diametrically opposed ideas. I see individuals living below their means and increasing assets with the main goal of decreasing suffering. I see people no longer waiting for changes from someone in power but making the changes they wish to see. Y'all, what could we change in our lives? Listen, what could you change in your life to join God in the process of loving and liberating people? This is all. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We really love you.